everybody. Thanks for tuning in today. This is Aditi. And I'm Alina. And you're listening to Bitches Brew. A podcast where we chat about everything under the sun. Today we talk about embarrassing health problems and pleasure and sex as a form of self-care. We have two amazing guests to answer some very pertinent questions as well as stories we've received from our listeners about their experiences. So let's get into it. Hi everyone. We've got Apurupa with us who I've only met once before, but I feel this strong affinity towards her and her like energy is one of the most pleasant, mm-hmm. pleasant is a weird word, but like the most magnetic, attractive thing I've come across in a very long time. Uh, she also does really interesting work. She's a sex educator and she's a mental health first aider. She's been doing a series of sort of lives and, you know, important conversations around mental health, around wellness, around, around self-pleasure. And that's partly the reason why we have her on this episode. So hi, Apurupa. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Hi. No, I actually like the word pleasant because uh, I've been accused of having, by the patriarchy, of having a resting bitch face. So, I mean, when somebody calls me pleasant, it makes me happy. So thank you so much. Uh, you really flattered me there. Uh, I'm, I'm at the core. Uh, I'm of myself i'm just really an insecure little person queer woman who really suffers from imposter syndrome right so thank you so much it was nice to hear that introduction i mean maybe this is a bit of a generalization i'm not qualified to say this but the more authentically you come into your work i think Mm -hmm. the harder the backlash is around you which you know can make you doubt yourself a little bit um and i think all of us struggle with that Time and again. True. Uh, true. Can I do an episode plug? <laughs> we had one episode where we were discussing free work, where this was a very recurring theme. But kind of just coming back to the focus of this episode, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about how you arrived here and why is this important to you? Hmm, sure, sure. It, it's been an interesting journey for me as well because I used to be a corporate lawyer. Uh, and I, I studied law, I did my master's, I did that for like six years of my life. Um, and I, I did work kind of in the space of gender and sexuality on the side always, but never fully like I'm doing now because I, I never knew that this was an option. I never knew that I could, A, that it was acceptable and B, that I could make any money of it. Uh, yeah, I, I think it actually took, I, I mean, trigger warning, I'll talk about like my mom's breast cancer, but yeah, so it, it actually took for my mum to fall really sick and for me to then kind of reevaluate my life's decisions, right? And to and to really ask myself, what is it that I want to do with my life? So in, in my head, it's, it's like a very natural transition from like what I've always wanted to do to me just coming into my own as, as a woman and as a feminist and as a sex positive person, as a queer person. Um, and it, it was just a very natural transition for me. But like when I talk about my journey to people, like it's quite... It's quite the dichotomy, like you used to be a corporate lawyer and now this is what you do with your life. Uh, How does that work, right? But in my head, it was a very smooth transition. Tell us a little bit about what is the work that you do. So, um, I mean, initially I started off working with adolescents, basically young people, uh, also like younger as well, right? So basically young people between the ages of 6 and 18 and their parents and educators to kind of talk to them about like puberty, to talk to them about um, sexual changes that they may be going through, masturbation, porn, um, the sexual act, sexting, um, what is the right age to get intimate, their rights, etc. But um, 
I mean, once I put myself out there as a sex educator, the kind of questions that I just started receiving via email or like random friends and acquaintances from the past would text me and um, yeah, they'd ask me like very personal and intimate questions. And I mean, you you call me magnetic, so maybe I, I do have that very safe personality uh, and people feel very comfortable sharing their, their, their stories with me essentially right and and I felt that I, I could offer something in return uh, whether it's by way of uh, one-on-one sessions which is of course very different from therapy it is it's one-on-one sex ed because not everybody is comfortable engaging in these conversations in a public forum um, or whether it's the workshops uh, that I do so just to create more spaces to have like open conversations on sex and sexuality and sexual health. Um, also, like my other interest is mental health because I, like, like I was saying, I'm someone who lives with uh, depression and anxiety. Mm. I also take medication for it. Um, and, and yeah, I, I hold a lot of issues on that front. Yeah. Um, so, so I think like what helped me a lot as well was, was psychoeducation, which is essentially learning more about mental health or maybe the specific mental health uh, illness that your mental health illness that you're afflicted with. And, and, and I found that to be extremely healing and empowering. Um, so, so I try to be uh, informed about mental health and I bring that into my practice as a, as a sexuality educator as well, because yeah, yeah, because neither your mental health nor your sexual health is operating in a silo. They're both so interconnected. Exactly, exactly. In fact, then the first part of this episode, we sort of, uh, you know, sexual health and sexual wellness with a gynecologist. I know for a fact, and I have had our brush with chronic sexual health problems or like reproductive health, which have which then naturally affect your relationship there's a lot to navigate there it isn't as simple as popping antibiotics you know so i wanted to talk to you a little bit about self-pleasure you know still very much foreign concept to a majority of the population right so uh, why firstly why do you think that is like why do you think there's still so much shame attached to the activity and to a large extent the fact that women are fashioned to be the recipients of desire how do you even begin to dispel that kind of narrative no i hear you and and it's it's very systemic which i which i'm sure you agree with as well um i mean female sexuality has been penalized for so long and controlled for so long i mean that apart um just a conversation around pleasure in general, right? In, in, in my um, workshops and sessions, we kind of begin with talking about non-erotic pleasure practices, which could look like anything. It could look like lighting a candle. It could look like, I don't know, uh, pulling hair, a strand of hair out of your butthole, because that happens, right? Um, so whatever, whatever gives you pleasure and like really expanding the definition of pleasure, because we're made to feel really guilty for being pleasure practitioners in that sense like whatever that word means to us and however that looks like in our life uh, not all of us have uh, the privacy of our own room or washroom to maybe masturbate not all of us have uh, the time to maybe able to do that not all of us have the knowledge to be able to do that but like all of us have the ability to experience pleasure of different kinds and i think uh, that's like a good place to start and that's how um, I always begin conversations on pleasure as well to to kind of make people realize that 
they're already practicing pleasure, whether or not they're aware of it, and how do they build on that? And and it's very much a skill. It's 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 a skill that we're not taught as well, and we're I mean, there's no incentive for us to practice that skill either. So so I I think we we need to first a like start building that skill of like being able to experience pleasure, being able to talk about pleasure, uh, being able to incorporate activities in our day to day life which give us pleasure, right? And actively experience that pleasure. And of course, like there is the element of uh, erotic pleasures as well. And I mean, if if somebody is not comfortable with like what masturbation looks like in a very heteronormative sense of, um, I don't know, rubbing or stroking or touching or, or whatever, like whatever uh, masturbation is supposed to be, um, they needn't go all the way there. Like the, your your entire body can be one big pulsating erogenous zone if if you like use it the right way so um maybe like what they could also do is to feel other parts of their body and connect with other parts of their body and yes yes this is something that they can do do on their own but i, I would definitely recommend uh, either accessing like there are plenty of resources available yeah. online yeah. um or, or to reach out to a professional i mean you would reach out to a professional if you if you wanted to learn woodwork right wow no pun intended but i mean reach out to reach out to a professional if you want to learn more about uh, sexual pleasure or like access resources that are available uh, to learn more about about pleasure and and then to start practicing it as well and and like there are there, there are no rights and wrongs there like as long as you're not actively harming yourself and you're not jeopardizing your life it's it's okay to like sucking your own toe as well, it's fine. And sort of uh, pivoting a little bit to where does pleasure intersect with communication and consent? Yeah, uh, I mean, again, like I really feel like when you talk about uh, any kind of partnered activity, I would really like first begin with like self, right? Um, And I also look at uh, the concepts or or just like the practices of consent and, and communication with respect to yourself as well. Um, and, and this is an activity that I usually do with like people of all ages, which is making something called a yes, no, and maybe list. Um, so it, it, it's very simple. And like, I mean, yeah, it's really, really simple. What you need to do is um, identify like maybe different spheres from your life, whether it's I know your personal life, maybe your professional life, I don't know, maybe TV shows that you watch, uh, maybe vegetables that you eat, or fruits that you eat. And, and you look at uh, what is a yes for you in in that aspect? What is a no for you? And and what could be a maybe for you? And and you'd be surprised at at how few people have actually engaged with themselves like that. Have actually thought that they need to have a conversation with themselves about something. They need to first figure out whether it's a yes for them or a no for them before they're able to ask somebody else or give that to somebody else. I feel like a lot of communication and and boundary work and and consent setting uh, needs to also happen with this with yourself and and in situations where you're violating your own boundaries to maybe then introspect and see why is that happening Um, and again like it it is a skill like all all of these are skills these are things that you need to build you need to actively work on and um, and yeah I I mean no, no one can deny that consent and communication are like the cornerstones of of any kinds of any kind of relationship um but but I but I always say like begin with yourself and then uh, you know start doing that kind of work with 
people who are soft targets in that sense. I mean, I, I use the word very loosely, of course, but I mean, people who will essentially respect when you set a boundary, right? Or people who will ask you for consent when you tell them that they need to ask you each time they say something or do something. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It actually, when you were talking about this, I sort of started thinking a little bit about, well, things one is porn and one is mindful pleasure a huge part of my personal sex education purely because i come i'm a product indian education system has been porn has been the internet in experiences with other women especially when we were younger right like when we were like just what young teenagers just getting in getting out there having our first experience ever so on and so forth and looking back there are some glaring, you know, gray areas, which I find myself like questioning now. I'm like, wait, was that consensual? Was that a little odd? Obviously, like we didn't have that education when we were 17. So I wanted to know a little bit about how you think porn. I mean, firstly, India is one of the largest consumers of porn in the world, right? right? And with combined with a serious lack of actual sexual education, how do you think porn affects or shapes people's mentality when it comes to sex, sexualizing women both? I mean, A, like, I don't feel like porn is the worst thing to happen. Um, I am, I mean, I personally love porn, watch porn. Um, but it the kind of porn that you watch is what matters, right? And uh, there is a lot of ethical porn available there. There are feminist porn filmmakers. Um, I mean, the, there's, there's a lot of interesting porn, not, not just in terms of like videos, but also like uh, erotic audios and, you know, um, erotic literature that is available out there, which which can be a lot of fun, which can be a great way for people to experiment with their sexuality, uh, live a fantasy and... And basically, like, just see what else is out there, right? Beyond, like, maybe the four positions that they know. So I, I don't feel like it's the worst thing to happen. Um, and in a in a country where there is like serious lack of of conversation around these topics, um, how are young people supposed to learn? Like you very rightly said. So um, I, I feel like porn is not bad per se. And and I mean, most industries are exploitative um, and, and porn industry is notorious for that. So I'm, I'm not in any way uh, like condoning that. But I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to say is it, it is an alternative and it's a very real alternative. So, so let's make our peace with that. You, you can ban it, but we'll find a way to break the firewall and access whatever videos or audio that we want to, right? I, I feel like the conversations are kind of the solution to it if, if somebody were to maybe listen to this podcast and and hear other people like echoing their sentiments or being candid about topics like this sharing their personal experiences i think that's a that's a great space um maybe sessions i mean i, I very strongly believe in like age-wise grade-wise sessions like from very early on um which is of course incremental learning but also like peers like i remember some of my best conversations about sex has have been with my my girlfriends right and and i also know that like we were trying to learn together we were trying to figure out what all of this meant to us and where we uh, how our politics kind of interplayed with uh, what the society was not to say that i mean the kind of uh, unethical porn that is available there so to say um, that's okay obviously not but I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like banning porn is not going to serve anybody. And and the other the other piece that you brought up about like consent and um, you know how 
maybe porn also influences people to take to not take consent so seriously um again like consent cannot just happen in sexual situations if we are a culture where uh, social consent we're not so big on social consent it's not going to translate into other aspects of our life like we don't think twice before like ruffling a baby's hair right like we wouldn't ask a parent we wouldn't check we wouldn't ask the child if that's okay we we force our affection on on little children when when they clearly uncomfortable uh we screenshot chats and we we share it with people we um you know click pictures and tag people and don't necessarily check with them if they're comfortable with it or not like consent has to permeate all aspects of our life and it has to begin in social situations first and foremost i think what i wanted to know a little bit more about is like mindful pleasure a lot of the things you said about consuming porn is also essentially mindfully consuming content right where you actually affect yourself if something is resonating with you which uh, about it could be so subjective right so consume something that's been shot under circumstances which were coercive so it's just hard to sort of differentiate between what like what actually went into making it so just to understand a little bit about mindful pleasure because i know a lot of people personally who routinely indulge in masturbation and they sleep some whereas some have a strange kind of shame attached to it saying you know where in the such that they're just like you know i just feel like i have such a high libido and i can't put that on my partner constantly so i just masturbate twice a day and then i feel terrible about it um so if somebody is trying to sort of tackle this within them what what would you say some of what what are some of the things they could possibly think about what are the you know if they're not professional no absolutely um you're very right in saying that a lot of people like for some people yeah maybe it's just one of the things that they do um it, it's just like a part of their routine and they don't necessarily uh invest in it too much they don't think about it too much it's kind of it's it's uh they go through the motions right uh and for 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 other people it is uh something that is very ridden with shame and guilt and um i i've even heard like somebody say that they feel like they're cheating on their partner when they're masturbating and yeah all, all of that all of that exists um and all all those feelings are, are are very valid as well like it's easy for me to sit here and say hey like don't feel that way but i mean it's very valid that they're feeling the way they're feeling um but i mean i think when you talk about a uh, mindful pleasure i think that's kind of like incomplete because it's not just mindful there is it and and i was recently introduced to the term bodyful and i think that resonates with me more in the context of pleasure because you're not just it's, it's you're not just using your mind you're also connecting with your body um so so masturbation is not a purely cerebral act it it could be right it a part of it is um but it also has to do so much with with your body and connecting with your body and uh, and that's not something that we are very used to as well um or often like our body becomes about its aesthetics and uh, you, you know from from a body neutral perspective we're not necessarily viewing our body as a as a vessel that serves us um as maybe another thing that we need to build a relationship with um so so 
I feel like if somebody is is keen to maybe start building a better relationship with their body and to start experiencing maybe a little bit more, I mean, a little less shame while they're engaging in self pleasure, um, I I feel like again like baby steps. Like really, um, there's no rush. It's going to take some time. If it, if it's taken, I mean, so many years of like socialization, right, and indoctrination into this. Brahminical cis head patriarchy that it's it's going to be tough to like challenge all of those no- norms and unlearn so much and unpack so much that we've internalized. Um, so so I feel like yeah, baby steps start small. If it is easier for you, and it often is, by the way, to do it with another person, um, you know, start exploring your body differently with another person. That's also fine if you're not fully there to start exploring self pleasure that's absolutely okay uh, start like engaging uh, with other people a little bit more authentically um, and it, it needn't be the entire act like if, if you are with another person and if you're going to do it if you're going to be with them for like x number of hours or minutes then maybe like one person of that you can be authentically authentically you and then you can keep adding uh, to that as you go along and the other thing that uh, also do is to like engage with their senses so um i mean often like masturbation uh, or, or like self-pleasure for that matter just like boils down to you know using one organ or a toy or whatever to kind of just stimulate one part and and, and to leave it at that right but maybe like the next time you're masturbating if you could uh hear the sounds around you a little bit more or or like if you're watching pornography or if you're listening to something then to maybe pay a little bit more attention to what you're hearing um maybe to add another sense like maybe to add a candle or maybe to um you know add an essential oil um and and to engage with your smell like that as well or or to like smell your own you know bodily fluids or smell your armpit even but to engage other senses and that can also be like a very grounding experience while you're while you're engaging in self pleasure so yeah so that that would be a good place to start do not get overwhelmed you don't have to get it right the first time or the 100th time it is a process and it is it is your journey like you don't have to again like capitalism right like we we feel like we need to be good at everything we do um but you really don't and the fact that you're trying and thinking about it is is wonderful yeah yeah oh my god that sums up a lot actually <laughs> like follow up questions um so i guess what i wanted to understand a little bit and this is more out of curiosity is when you are sort of teaching younger children about sexuality and about exploring what is the response like and i'm only asking because i feel like as adults we have a lot more like way more guards up than perhaps a child would Yeah yeah no but um i mean you would be surprised at how quickly young people also internalize these messages um i mean a lot of kids right love touching their genitals um especially like kids with male bodies will hold on to their penis as like an act of like comfort um and uh, the reaction of adults is to immediately sexualize that act of of a child touching like their body hasn't even started producing sex hormones but like babies right like 3 years 4 4 year olds um being sexualized because of something like this 
um, when it's it's a very natural curiosity, a very healthy curiosity that they're experiencing about their bodies. Um, and and I mean, it, very quickly they will internalize those kinds of messages and and the shame um, and and. And, and they also like, it, it's not just about what adults are saying, it's a, they're also modeling behavior, um, which which is very slut shamey, which is very, uh, you know, body shaming, which is very, um, yeah, yeah, which which is not very pleasure positive, which is not very sex positive. So, so even young people kind of have internalized a lot of these messages and they subscribe to a lot of myths. Um, like they feel like they'll uh, go blind. I mean, why is that? that's so ableist in the first place, but also like they will go blind if they masturbate or uh, hair will grow on their palm or they will run out of sperms. And like adults have said these things to them as well. So um, it's not that they're super open about it, but I think the difference between, let's say um, an adult that I'm working with and a, and a child or a young person that I'm working with would be that uh, the young person is a little bit more easy to convert <laughs> um and 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 they kind of like because they're also like looking up to you as as a facilitator or as a as a trainer who's who's come and who's talking about this topic that's otherwise never been spoken to spoken to them about so there's also like a certain sense of like trust and safety that they experience which is why they are a little easier to convert but it's it's really disheartening uh to to hear some of the things that they're worried about. They're, they're worried about like 13 year olds and 14 year olds are worried about like erectile dysfunction. And they say things like, uh, do I need to start using Viagra? Um, and, and and their parents are like obviously wearing blinders and their parents are like, obviously my kid is like such a Harish Chandra and my kid does not. Uh, yeah, he's so innocent. Like everybody around him is corrupted. So, um, yeah, adults are not actually, the parents and educators are not aware of the reality of, of the youth of today. Yeah. I wanted to bring up this thing about children exploring sexuality without really knowing what it is that they're exploring. Um, because when I was, like, I started very, very young and I didn't know what led to it, right? It, I kind of stumbled into it. And... Uh, started sort of experimenting with my own body at a very young age. I'm talking like eight years old, young. And uh, then when I was discovered, there was so much sort of shame put on me. Like, to the extent where people thought that I had been abused, and that is where I learned this behavior from. Right? And it was. It's quite toxic, and it's quite. Um, because then you grow up with thinking that there is something fundamentally wrong with you because you're a sexual being, right? Not just that sex is wrong, but that you are wrong because you discovered pleasure and that is wrong. So how do you tackle something like that when it comes to kids who like stumble into this behavior, you know? And I mean, it's a separate conversation with parents, but then how do you explain to this child that what you're doing isn't wrong without like, things up with their parents right right no uh, i'm so sorry that happened to you and uh, i think we've all kind of experienced this shame and shaming when it comes to like exploring our own bodies and like feeling at home in our own bodies so i'm, I'm really sorry that that happened to you um yeah and, and you're right in also saying that that is a very 
common occurrence. So let me let me break down like puberty a little bit um, for for our audience, right? So um, puberty can start, you know, anywhere nine nine years upwards. Uh, of course, for like people who've been assigned male at birth, it starts slightly later. But I mean, before the body starts to show any outward symptoms, uh, any outward signs of puberty, it begins in, internally about a year before that, right? So it takes like one whole year of changes happening on the inside, sex hormones being starting, sex hormones being produced, uh, sexual feelings starting to develop. And then do you, and that is when you start to see uh, these signs on the outside, you know, whether it's hair growth or height growth or breast development, etc. Right. Um, so it's very normal for like eight year olds and nine year olds to feel curious about their body, to explore their body, uh, to to spend a lot of time with uh, the, the hand shower, to want to like look at pictures to want to look at bodies which are not theirs right and the, and the first thing that uh, a lot of children especially now that they have access to internet uh, the first thing that they'll start to they'll look up is like naked girls or naked boys because they're very curious about what naked bodies which are not theirs look like all of this curiosity all these emotions are very very healthy um, they're a natural part of growing up what we want to kind of protect them from is the very aggressive kind of pornography we also want to kind of i mean protect is the wrong word again we want to enable them to make decisions which um, will help themselves help them safeguard themselves from like very violent kind of pornography or um, you know abuse like they, uh, we we want to equip them to be able to recognize and report abuse and um, yeah we also want to uh, help them understand the concepts of like hygiene and privacy and boundaries. Uh, it, it's okay if you are exploring your own body, but you mustn't in you know um, do it on anybody else. You mustn't let anybody else do it on you. So so we need to kind of safeguard them to explore themselves um, in in a, in a healthy manner in that sense. So um, the way I would approach it with children, like from, from very early on, like from age six, is when you start talking to them about boundaries, you start talking to them um, about, you know, privacy. You also at that point kind of introduce them to uh, the idea that, hey, uh, like you need to do things that, like you, you need to look at practices that, I mean, obviously those aren't the words that you use with them, but you need to look at what makes you happy? Uh, let's figure out like what is one uh, thing, one thing that you can do every day uh, that will make you happy or that will make you feel good. And like you will obviously use these very binary kind of understanding of happy, unhappy, bad, good with them because I mean you want to build on that. You want to, that's the base that you're setting. And uh, by age nine, ten, you're kind of ready to talk to them about if, of course, if they're asking, then definitely sexual act, etc. But you're ready to talk to them about puberty. You're ready to tell them that, hey, here are uh, like the different changes that you will experience. You may experience like vaginal discharge. You may experience erections. Uh, these are all the parts of your genitals. I mean, when they're slightly older, by, by 12, 13, you're, you definitely have to talk to them about masturbation. You definitely have to tell them um, the pros and cons, you have to tell them how many times can they do it a day because that's one of the most frequently asked questions and I mean, few times a day is also healthy, right? It varies from person to person. So, I mean, you, you have to um, 
and and it's so irresponsible and violent and toxic that adults do not have these conversations and actively deprive young people of information that could potentially save their lives um yeah yeah i mean it's a bit of a segue but i wanted to talk a little bit about slut shaming and particularly of young women you know young women who might be more sort of sexually proactive or whatever you know like i know that in all of my personal relationships and uh, not necessarily with friends but more with like the men in my life i have dealt with a lot of slut shaming and as someone who grew up like i had fairly progressive parents in that sense that they did give me a fair amount of sexual awareness and you know made me aware of um sexual health and things like that um but slut shaming sort of started from a very young age where if you're somebody who's okay with like talking about sex or you're okay with talking about even things like kissing your you're seen as somebody who's disgusting and that kind of follows you through your life so i wanted to chat a little bit about how do you tackle that in you know say personal relationships um do you simply cut off from that person or is there a way for you to educate people i don't know like i don't really know where i'm going with this question but I... no and it's very valid it's such a valid question and like yeah i have been slut shamed my whole life even more so now when people know that this is what i do for a living uh i'm i'm shameless i'm disgusting i'm corrupting people all of that um great yeah please hate me uh, but um yeah slut shaming is very real it begins very early on like you said um i i remember uh, this this person in my school being shamed for not wearing a bra uh, like they were not very developed at that point of time so they chose to like wear one of those vests and like they were they um it's it's a it's it's a tough situation to be in especially like when it's it's somebody who's who's close to you um let's say they're a friend or they're a partner or they're a family member who's who's slut shaming uh some relationships like kind of are there in your life like i my parents for instance like they they don't really know my life fully so like they think like i'm a good girl um good girl quote and quote right um but uh like everybody else like everything that they see around them like they will they will slut shame so my parents are not somebody i can or i don't want to like personally get rid of my parents right uh so um i mean i think like i i have tried to have conversations with them um i've tried to like deconstruct like where this notion comes from um but like i mean it it's it takes a lot of patience and persistence uh to get through to the other person and if somebody wants to make a choice of like cutting off from somebody and i've done that too like i fully ghosted like a few friends cuz um i know their judgment on certain things and just like very homophobic very toxic friends and i've i've just been like yeah okay fine you know what i i i'm not i can't do this with you i i don't have it in me to put that kind of effort with you so i'm not going to even bother um and and there have been friends who i have like maybe had a few conversations with and they've kind of understood where i was coming from and and respected my point of view but um i feel like both are very valid 
choices if you if you want to like fully cut off from a person because you feel like your values don't align and they're never going to understand where you're coming from because they live in a completely different universe then yeah it's it's okay to cut off from them and uh, finding other spaces and other communities which affirm you and which affirm your identity and uh, i mean personally i've i have reclaimed the term i'm i'm slut and proud and uh, yeah yeah and and that comes from like surprisingly a lot of black feminists uh, initially right like when when i saw them owning their bodies and owning their sexuality um it it gave me the strength to to reclaim that term uh so so yeah yeah how do you deal with it it was difficult for me i think because it tied in so much to my self worth and for the longest time i then even had trouble being sexual or being myself as a sexual being because i thought of it as even though like my education has been the opposite of that like i've always been told to like like by the people close to me um i've always been told that it was okay to sort of um have ownership over your body and have ownership over your sexuality in moderation um what i've been told but despite that when say like when a partner did slut shame me it was so debilitating in so many ways so it was really 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 difficult to recover from that um it took a long time i think to recover from that because the impact of something like that because it's not just that you're a sexual person right it's just it ties into every aspect of you the way your body is the way you think the way you do things the kind of work that you do everything you know and then you start questioning all of your actions you even start questioning what people in your building are thinking on so it it has very far reaching implications um and i really want to sort of bring that up on this particular episode because especially since we're talking about pleasure as a form of self care and we've touched upon the taboo that surrounds pleasure but because there's a negative connotation you can be the most free thinking person on the planet but when it hits you it can be incredibly debilitating oh absolutely um uh, and i mean even in my case like i am definitely somebody who really embodies and believes in everything that i'm saying but um it took for like one comment um that somebody posted on my instagram about um yeah i don't know very slut shamey comment right uh for me to completely unravel and feel like is that really true is this all a farce am i actually um yeah just a nymphomaniac just trying to uh find an excuse for the emotions that i'm experiencing so so yeah so i both can exist like you can both be empowered and you can also continue to suffer at the at the hands of like these very real systemic uh deep rooted issues yeah yeah i mean it's interesting because like, even when you're having these conversations for example with like casual sex partners like where like the idea of respect mm. comes in like i like i know that of late mm. like very recently i have started having the sex conversation quite early like, that's what i started i'm like okay let's talk about this and let's get it out there and let's be open about heading if i know that that person is you know kind of on the same page um 
and that's something that i really want to normalize like i want to see more sexual content out there i want to see more affirmation of sex out there you know and i don't see that as corrupting our children or anything i think it's a great thing if people are having open honest conversations about sex especially when it comes to self preservation especially when it comes to pleasure and enjoying your bodies and being able to have respectful conversations around sex yeah for me it, it's really that it's really like not having had access to information uh it's having uh internalized so many of these very like i mean again negative is is a very binary understanding of what it is but um yeah negative messaging around like my body my sexuality my identity uh my being um and and for me to part of my journey of healing part of my uh journey of like taking ownership of my body like you like you rightly said what came from creating those spaces for for other people and having conversations with other people and creating communities of care and uh, yeah yeah to what i did not have i i wanted to create and i wanted other people to have that as well i think it makes me sound like <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's it, it is very self serving that's where i'm coming from i have so many things to ask and add but i don't know how to sort of funnel them because i've dealt I mean female sexuality has always been such an enigma to me because on one hand you want to reclaim it and you want to celebrate it and you want to be able to do what you want with your body but on the other hand you're just dealing with so much shame and you know female sexuality sort of ties into every aspect of your life and you know for the longest time I was made to think that even if I accept my body even if my parents do even if my partner does society at large is going to constantly minimize me they make me feel like you know I was worthless because I was somebody who was okay with being sexual and so I I really want to put it out there that it is okay to be sexual in whatever you are as long as there's two consenting consenting adults involved like yeah go for it go have fun don't let people interview you know like yeah yeah absolutely and and in fact like um a like communication is a really huge part of uh, any kind of like sexual health and wellness uh, session or conversation or whatever like it, the minute you talk about sexuality like communication is also like a big part of it and i actually actively give people like sit with people and help them figure out scripts as to how they uh, want to have that conversation with somebody else and i mean i mean, I'll, i'll share some of the things that i i tell my clients um it is to like a like keep the language as as natural as it feels for you um it's absolutely okay if you want to say sorry thank you please a million times it's fine it's okay if you want to say i'm so sorry this happened or i'm so sorry i'm not able to say this that's absolutely okay if you want to have the first conversation via text that's that's okay if you want to do it via email the first time around please do that or if you want to write them a letter do that right and and also like don't feel the pressure to have the entire conversation about whatever it is um like i had somebody who was trying to figure how to discuss um the fact that they live with vaginismus with their partner right so um 
and and like again what i told them was you don't have to like tell your partner everything you don't have to talk about your diagnosis on day one um you can like maybe just st start talking a little bit about the discomfort or the pain that you experience it's okay like you can withdraw from the conversation at any point if you are like which is why understanding consent um in the context of self is important if you understand that another person can withdraw consent at any time understand that you can also withdraw consent to have that conversation at any time right so um yeah so so take it slow um have that conversation at your own pace figure out the setting where do you want to have the conversation um have something that's comforting around you with you whether it is a pillow whether it's like a friend's hand um whatever it is it's fine you're allowed to like this idea of oh you have to say it face to face and you have to like look them in the eye this has to be like a momentous occasion that it's probably not how it's going to work out so so it's absolutely okay for you to um, have a few false starts and then like try it out again at a at a later point of time to write it to them to send them a video to explain what it is um to them so so yeah and and also like it's it's fine if you know um you you don't want to do it right now like you i mean it's not fine but if if you've just had uh, gotten an sti diagnosis and you don't quite know how to convey that to your partner like sometimes you you really and you really have to because it's time and you know urgency and your partner also needs to go themselves checked or um you know they they also need to go them uh, go get themselves treated so i mean find another way to tell it to them man ask a friend to do it for you uh, it it is a very difficult conversation and uh, especially in our context it is very challenging so uh, mix it up um, you know enlist the help of a professional to have that conversation with your partner whatever it takes um for you to for you to feel comfortable yeah no but it's it's funny right because i think at least for me i interpret it as anything but that i mean i think it's one of the most if not the most vital conversation to be had um and that's just my own bent of mind but i do think it intersects a lot with all kind of identity and so much of self perception and self worth which then can lead to so many other problems that um yeah particularly even yeah i mean clearly for women yeah but also i would kind of include men in the gambit as well you know because with the whole hyper masculine uh, you know trying to achieve a sort of very like media idea of masculinity is like harmful for everyone especially men right like women no 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 i i completely hear you and the and the kind of conversations that you both have been having otherwise as well um it it's not, we're just a very small slice of the society um especially like in the indian context that is kind of challenging these norms um and and also like i mean medical professionals are i mean that is not to question this gynecologist um, at all right it, she she's not wrong at all in what she said um scientifically sure it may be true but i mean also look at it this way who are the people who are writing these textbooks uh who are the people who are teaching in these colleges right where like who are the people who are dominating um the, these larger systems of like medicine or science or research um it's either like your cishet male it's your cishet uh, your cishet savarna male or cishet white male right old people um and and definitely not people who are queer affirmative in that sense so if if 
if the norm for so long has been that like one of the primary purposes of a vagina is the sexual is the penetrative sexual act with a penis right um then i mean that's that's if, if that's the line of inquiry then that's kind of what you're going to uh, be focusing on but even without like the sexual the, the penetrative sexual intercourse with a penis part of it uh, your vagina is meant also for pleasure right your vagina is meant sure like yes the other purposes are the menstru menstrual blood comes out of it it's also like the birth canal etc but your vagina or your front hole um, is is also just there for for your pleasure to serve you right so um, i mean sure one of its primary purposes we can then say is is pleasure whether it's of penetrative kind if that's what you know floats your boat yeah sure uh, go for it um if if uh, you know if it's if it's more to do with like focusing on the clitoris and like some some external like practices of pleasure sure uh, if that's not something that you want to do with your vagina at all that's also absolutely okay like if i don't want to for instance one of one of the primary purposes of my hand is picking up things if i don't want to pick up things right at all i, I don't i don't pick up things with my hand um, that's not going to make my hand any less of a hand it's not going to reduce its functionality my hand is not meant only for picking up things uh, sure i have opposable thumbs for those reasons but um, yeah that's not all that there is to it and uh, yeah it's not just a sexual organ it is also a sexual organ so yeah i mean for me like thank you so much for doing the work it is really inspiring because we need it right especially in a country like yeah now that we're heading in a more sort of conservative direction modern quote unquote modern woman i feel i feel so vulnerable because i'm like am i going to be allowed to be myself in the new like is that what we're heading we've got something interesting for you in collaboration with oster whip a new delhi based journal merch shop creative incubator Follow us on at which is brew India on IG to know more. We hope you tune in to our next episode where we talk about mothers. Where we invite entries from you, our listeners, to share your stories about your relationship with your mothers. What have they taught you? What do you teach them? What do you guys fight about? What you bond over? The works. Until then, reach out to us at write to us bbrew at gmail dot com or at which is brew India on Instagram with your thoughts about sexual health and wellness. And just anything really that you'd want us to chat about. Don't forget to like, leave a comment, and share.